cheery, lovely, got the holiday shirt on still. If you can't be on holiday, you might as well feel like you're on holiday. Yeah. Great. We're going to have a great time together this morning. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you that we can gather this morning and we come together to give you glory. Yes, Father. It's our pleasure to gather. And I thank you that in our context, we can gather so freely. Jesus, we honour you this morning and we lift you up. And I ask that this morning every person would know your presence. Thank you, Father. That however you choose to do it, you would speak to every person that's here this morning and we'd sense something of your love toward us. We'd sense something of your greatness. We'd sense something of your purpose and your plans. So, Father, we commit this time to you. Saturate it with your presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Why don't you, on the way to your seat, why don't you say hello to two or three people and welcome them to church this morning. It's great to see them. They're looking good.
Well, a very warm welcome to you. It's great to have you here today. If you're visiting this morning, we'd like to give you a little gift just to say hello to you. If you're visiting, if this is your first or second time here at Activate Church, can I ask you to give me a wave? I'm not going to embarrass you further than that. Our team have got a pack they'd like to bring to you. So just make sure someone sees your hand and uh, we'll get that to you really quickly. Great. Don't be shy if that's you. Brilliant. Well, welcome. Well, who's had a birthday or a celebration this last week? Anniversary. Birthday or an anniversary. Any birthdays? No birthdays? Any anniversaries? No anniversaries? One anniversary. Fantastic. Do you guys want to come out here? I'm not going to embarrass you, but come on. How about everyone, everyone stand up together. Come on, the whole church, all of us. See, that way now we're all standing up. It's easy. Lost one. How, how many years? Have you? 26. Fantastic. You can have two, two each. Well, I want you to stay here and we want to pray God's blessing over you as a church. So don't go away. So you just about learned how it works now, eh? There's our prayer of blessing. We really want to bless you for the next year. So let's go. Ready? Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Yeah, you can take a seat again. Well, the children are already out, I believe, in this service. So if you are here and you're a child and you don't want to be here, feel free to make your way around to the, the hall around the back through that door or to the downstairs cafe. Intermediates. Um, next week, just so you know, we've got Activate DNA happening in the 10.30 service and the 6 p.m. service, which is if you're new to church here and you want to know more about what's happening and how it's happening and how we work and uh, more what's at the heart of what we're doing, it's uh, for you. And uh, you could have been here for years and you still want to know, well, then it's for you. And it runs during the 10.30 service. And uh, so that's next week. I encourage you to go if you've never been to one. It really is valuable. It's a good use of your time. You'll get an understanding of, of uh, who we really are. Also, the other thing I want to bring to your attention is this month, March 26th to the 28th, that's 26th is a Thursday. So Thursday night, all day Friday, you will need to take a day off work. And then Saturday morning, we are running School of the Spirit. And I actually think coming and being part of the School of the Spirit is an incredible investment for you to make into your own spiritual journey. And uh, often we... Um, we find ourselves in all kind of environments as Christians, but we lack confidence, we lack courage, and often that's because we haven't learned to be comfortable moving in the gifts of the Spirit, or we don't understand the gifts of the Spirit well. This school is all about helping you move forward in that area. And uh, we've got some great speakers coming. We've got Pastor Don Lake from Talpo, from Inspire Church. He, he's an incredible teacher as far as prophetic goes. Well, he might be an incredible teacher generally, but I'm talking about prophetic. 
He's going to be teaching prophetic. He's very, very good. We also have uh, Greg Simner coming from the Rock Church in Wellington, and he's going to be unpacking intimacy with God and, and what that means for us. We have David Quinn coming from Fielding, and he sees miracles happen most weeks. He really is a man of faith, and uh, he's bold in his faith. He sees some incredible things happen. I'll be teaching a couple of sessions. We've got an encounter night. I think Phil's teaching a session. It's going to be a great, great time. We've packed it really short so you can get the most out of it possible. It is only $50. And if you bring four of you, fourth person is free. So that's not even $50. That's incredible. So it's on for you. I really encourage you to come. Well, Anne, are you here? Anne Bevan? There you are. Why don't you come and share a testimony with us this morning? Why don't you give Anne a hand as she comes? You can do it up or down, whatever works for you. Down will do. A couple of weeks ago we had a testimony of um, somebody, and I felt really inspired by that. And I thought, oh yeah, okay, let's see, let's see what happens. And um, I guess God must have heard that, because <laughs> not too much after that, I got an opportunity to speak into somebody's life. And my son and I were travelling to Morrinsville, and we saw a young woman on the side of the road. And because my son was with me, I decided I'd pick her up. She was hitchhiking. And when she got into the car, um, you know, you do the normal sort of. You try and connect and see what points there are that you can kind of make it a comfortable journey for you all and that kind of thing. And she was really, really angry. And um, it had turned out that she and her mother had had a disagreement and um, there was a whole lot of stuff going on in her life and things like that. And I remember at one point in there, I just kind of went, God, help me, you know, help me find the right words. And at one point... I paused and I turned to her and I said, you realise hurting people hurt people. And she went really quiet and then her whole attitude changed. And what it was is she's struggling with forgiveness with her mum. And I really thank God that he gave me those words. I shared a little bit with her about some of my background and my past, which... I think helped her feel a bit more comfortable. But the first part was hurting people hurt people. And she, um, like, we didn't really make any further connections or anything like that, and I wasn't able to follow her up. I didn't feel that it was, um, she would have appreciated that. But I like to think that something touched something and maybe restored a relationship. So that's my testimony. Brilliant. It's great, isn't it? Scripture say, one sows, another waters, another harvests. It's all good. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, Caleb, why don't you come and lead us around communion this morning? I'll go down. I'll follow Anne's lead. Awesome. Good morning, church. So Beth and I have had a pretty horrific start to the year with Ollie's accident. And for those of you who don't know, back in January, our four-month-old baby, Oliver, who's sitting up the back at the moment, 
rolled off our couch and he hit his head on our coffee table on the way to the floor. To cut a long story short, he fractured his skull, which damaged a blood vessel, causing a massive bleed on his brain called an extradural hematoma. It measured 10 centimetres by 5 centimetres by 7 centimetres, which as you can imagine is huge for a baby's head. Because of the extent of the bleeding around his brain, it actually shifted the midline of his brain and severely squashed it. His situation was life-threatening and they weren't sure whether he would make it and if he would, the chance of serious brain damage was high. We couldn't get to Starship Hospital so they had to operate immediately at Waikato performing a craniotomy to excavate the hematoma, basically remove the blood clot from around his brain. While they operated on Ollie, Beth and I waited over three hours where we wondered what was happening to our boy and the outcome that we would face. I very much remember thinking about whether he would make it and at one point started picturing his funeral. I quickly tried to snap out of that and gather all the faith within us that God was in control. I can still remember the phone call exactly where I was from the neurosurgeon to tell us that his operation was finished and had gone successfully. It was such an amazing phone call. Ollie then spent three days in ICU, followed by time in Waikato's kids' surgical ward. Over our journey from our first communication with our family and our first post on Facebook asking for prayer, we've been completely covered by prayer and support from hundreds of people all around the world, and we have really felt it. Beth and I 100% believe that Ollie is a miracle baby and that the only reason he is alive today is because God held him through the accident, his surgery and his recovery. So far, Ollie has recovered remarkably well and is showing no signs of serious brain damage, however, still has a road to recovery. Our God is an incredible God and a very loving Father. And this morning, I don't want to focus on um, my communion message on his testimony any further. I think there'll be time where I can go further into it at another stage. But today, I want to talk about some reflections that I've had lately as a result of his accident. And specifically, what I've learned about our Father in heaven and the sacrifice of his Son. John 3.16, which we all love, says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and this verse is a verse that we can hear so many times you know we've all heard it many many times and as we go through our Christian journey and we and we get more and more mature in God some of the truths about God can get more and more head knowledge and less and less heart knowledge And when I think about God giving up His one and only Son so that we could have a relationship with Him, I now have a very small heart understanding of what that must have been like. And by no means, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I know what God, I understand what God went through, because I don't. God, But what I do know is that God willingly, knowing that this was the only way we could have a relationship with Him, asked his son Jesus to go to earth 
to sacrifice his life so we would be adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. And this willingness is not to be taken lightly. God who is in perfect unity and relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, and because God is love, loved him in the purest sense, broke that unity, that relationship, and that love he experienced with his Son for us. Unlike my situation where I nearly lost my son due to external circumstances outside of my control, God actually did lose his son. He watched him crucified on a cross where he could have intervened at any point. And not only that, knew that it would happen. In fact, he chose for it to happen. Why? Because of you and I. That's love. God chose for his son to pay the ultimate price. And I know that as Ollie's father, I was trying to do everything I could for him. And if I could have stopped Ollie from going through what he went through, I would have. And although God would not have enjoyed seeing Jesus suffer as he did, God knew that it was the only way to deal with sin once and for all and to invite billions of people into his loving family. Another reflection that I want to briefly share with you is from last week, which I had from Pastor Sheridan's message on our Heavenly Father, and specifically the thought of Him as our Heavenly Daddy. The word Daddy is a word that rings with me now. I just, I get it. I understand it. When Pastor Sheridan was speaking about this last week, I really connected with what he was saying and totally got the level of intimacy and love that he was talking about was available for us with our relationship with God. When I think about Ollie, my heart is full of joy just thinking about him. And as I grow, as he grows, sorry, I always want him to treat me as his daddy, not his father. To never fear coming to me, to always know that I'm there for him, to know that I love him, that I will provide for him, and for him to always be himself around me. And as I was listening last week, it's like it just dropped more and more into my heart that God wants me to feel the same about Him. And I'm not saying that we should lose our reverence for who God is, but we should not be afraid to hang out with Him and just sit on His lap like our daddy. Communion is a time of reflection, to stop and think about Jesus and what He did for us and why He did it, to connect you and I with our heavenly daddy. As we partake in communion this morning, I'd like us to stop and reflect on what the sacrifice of Jesus truly means to us, to think about the sacrifice with our hearts and to thank God, giving Him the glory for what was achieved through Christ's death and resurrection, to also reflect on our relationship with God and how we view Him. Before you reflect and take communion, I'd like to pray. Father God, thank you for your great unfailing love. Thank you that you loved us so much and that you gave your all, that you willingly sacrificed your son Jesus so that we could be dead to sin and alive to you, that we could be adopted into your family and call you our heavenly daddy. Help us to always remember the significance of what communion means. Jesus, thank you for accepting your call to earth to live as a man and to be subject to the abuse of man 
leading to your death on a cross. Thank you, Jesus, that in your death you paid the price of sin and made the way to our freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that in your resurrection is salvation, power, authority, healing, freedom, life, love, and so much more. Today we choose to remember your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. So in your own time, I believe you've got your emblems now. Please take the bread as a symbol of Jesus' body that was crucified and the juice as a symbol of the blood and the new covenant we have through him. Thanks, church. your story. It's great. Well, part of what we want to do in Activate Chapel is to create an environment where you've got time to reflect on the Word of God. And so one of the ways we want to do that is to read a psalm every week, which will be interesting on some of the bigger ones. It'll be interesting on some of the shorter ones too. But, uh, we want to read a psalm and then allow you to ponder on it for a couple of minutes and really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you meditate on the words. And this morning, Pastor Rex Meehan is going to come. And why don't you come, Pastor Rex? And he's going to read us Psalm chapter 2. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Sheridan. It's a, it's a huge privilege to be able to read the Word of the Lord. Psalm 2 is a song that was composed by David when he felt attacked by his enemies and he encouraged himself that the nations that were attacking him were really attacking God. It's also a messianic psalm because it's quoted in Acts chapter 4 about how Jesus the Messiah was being attacked by Herod and Pilate. And this is a psalm that encourages us, all of us that God defends those who submit to Him. Psalm 2 from the New Living's Translation. Why? Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs 
the Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son or he'll become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. What joy for all who take refuge in him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word and to our meditation on it now.
You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. My God will stand unshakable. Yes, Lord, unshakable one. Worship you, Lord, unchanging one. We love you, Lord. My God will stand unshakable. Yes. Love that. Yes. And then the last verse of the psalm that was read. But what joy for all who take refuge in Him. My God is unshakable. And what joy for all who take refuge in Him. I don't know how you've come in this morning, but if you're carrying weight that you really don't need to be carrying, maybe you're not well in your body, maybe you're really struggling with something, why don't you come out of your seats and come down the front and allow some people to come and stand with you and pray with you this morning. And let's stand before our unshakable God, the one who brings joy, refuge found in Him. That's great. Come on down. Yeah. 
this morning we have, I think it's Andy and Karen's last week in town, last day in town. So Andy and Karen Burton are in Belgium as missionaries sent out from us here at Activate Church and uh, it's their last day in town before they head back again and so this morning they're going to come and they're going to speak to us about what they're doing and I really encourage you to listen and because this is Activate Church Investing in the other side of the planet. Uh, through a great family, Andy and Karen and the girls. And uh, why don't you give them a big hand? I think Karen's coming this morning. That's great. Morning. So uh, hopefully most of you know who we are now. We've been here for seven weeks and it's been awesome. Uh, we've just loved getting to know new people in the church, reconnecting with other people that we've known for years. Um, today I want to talk to you about an overlooked people. Belgium is one of the most overlooked countries I think in the world. It's tiny, no one knows where it is. <laughs> it's the head of the EU and NATO, but Still, we don't seem to make the headlines in Europe. <laughs> Is it? Okay. <laughs> this photo in the background here is of a, it's called the Transparent Church. And many people would say that in Europe that people have gone out of the church and there is no hope left. Yet this piece of art that is as large as an actual building, to me gives hope because people aren't saying we don't want faith and we don't want God, but we do want to be safe because we've had a history that's hurt us. We want transparency. So I'm going to let my team um, speak to you for a few minutes to give you an insight into Belgium. understand Belgium, it's not always so easy. One of the things that I found um, difficult in raising support to come to Belgium is that many people don't understand from New Zealand the cultural background or the spiritual background of, of a country like Belgium. Europe has a uh, Christian heritage, but also we always talk about Europe and of course Belgium is part of it as post-Christian era. You, you don't find this back home so often that the, basically the culture is Christian but non-believers. A very, very high percent of the Belgians don't believe in God anymore. They think it's old-fashioned. And when you look at the numbers, they are some of the most unreached people um, around. The evangelicals in Belgium are, are really only 1.4, um, 1.5%. It's all the Christians. If, if you really take just the Belgians, you'd be around a half percent only. They are from uh, the Netherlands or other countries immigrated here. So I don't know how many real Belgium, indigenous Belgian people are actually Christians. I mean, there is numbers of 
less than 1% out there. Less than 1% of all Belgians are evangelical Christians. And if you compare that to the Muslim uh, population in Belgium, which is around 6%, it's a, a, huge, uh, a huge shock for, for many people. And, and some of the cities, like, like Brussels, um, they, they're way larger. You're talking there, possibly 20, 25%. You have a million Muslims in Belgium who are active. So they're more active in Belgium than Christians. There is a history of church, but it's been lost or perhaps were never pr properly understood. And if you look at Europe, I mean, that's really the story, that mm. there's no clean slate. There is an impression of what church is, and the church that is here is a fairly broken church. Christianity and belief are in a, in a negative light uh, in our country. Belgium is what I would call the post-Catholic country, where the Catholic Church was very dominant here um, a couple decades ago, uh, but it's slowly been deteriorating. Someone said to me, um, but doesn't every family over there in Europe have a family Bible? Here in Belgium, most of the people don't know anything about the Bible. They have a lot of negative baggage um, or, yeah, uh, pre they have prejudice against the church because of the past mistakes of the institutional church here in Belgium. In fact, the Catholic Church has done a, a very bad work here in our country with a lot of scandals um, and, and abuse and, and all these things. I don't say the Catholic Church is, is, a, is a horrible thing the whole, over the whole world, but this, this has so hindered the gospel here in Belgium. The church has been here so long and has such a checkered and dark history that there's so much distrust in the established church. Belgium is a country that's, that needs Christ. You've got depression and suicide and family problems and all of these things. I think where it becomes kind of shocking is the level to which that's true. That, mm -hmm. uh, the level of depression here in Belgium is in the top two or three in uh, the Western world. And the same with suicide rates. So you see the, the, the hopelessness and the despair of Belgium and then so few Christians to give, to give a witness to these people. So few uh, Christian programs uh, uh, like f for teenagers or for drug addicts or for people who want to commit suicide or for people who uh, want to have abortions or people who have emotional problems or people with marriage problems. People may turn their back to the church, but I think many people are still also spiritually very, very open for, for spirituality. And yet everything that they're looking, that, that people are looking at for answers are not giving them anything either. And I think Europe is characterized by this sense of what do we hope in? People are really starting to search and think, well, there must be more than, than just, well, what is their afterlife and what is the purpose of life? A lady down the road asked me the other day, brought up in the Catholic Church, gone through Sunday school, done her communion, all those sorts of things, and she was surprised that we believed that you actually lived after you died, that there was life after death, eternal life. People uh, have a hard time 
um, imagining, even imagining that a, a church life could be something uh, that would really enrich their lives, personal lives or family lives. The heart of the outreach ministry is really about restoring hope to people. And it's a hope that's embedded not just into hoping for a future, but it's hoping for life right now. We probably have to do, go, do it all over again. It has to be re-evangelized. So that they can see what, what faith is, who Jesus is, what, what lives um, in our heart. So what do me and Andrew do? <laughs> Andrew and I have um, always been kind of link people. Um, in, in youth groups and church, we were always the people who knew the, the teenagers and the parents. Um, and God has continued to use us this way in Belgium. He has positioned us in a really unique position where we seem to stand between the church, the unchurched, and those who are wanting to go to Belgium, missionaries, sending agencies. So, um, a few years back, me and Andrew used to work a lot closer together. We started an outreach team. We, dis we started to recruit people from outside Belgium to build a team around us. And then as the team grew, we diversified. Um, Andrew is great at putting systems together to help people have clarity on what they're doing. And he took over the everyday leading of the team. Um, I became the church growth and planting consultant um, to equip those on our team and to consult with the ministry partners that we were working with. Um, we place people with uh, church planters and with churches who want to reach out into their communities who want to get out of the insular, church-focused and want to actually reach their community. Um, our team ignites imagination. Nate on this video said that people find it difficult to even imagine what church could be like. And one of the ways we do that is through the arts, which I'll talk about. And cross-pollinating. As we um, work across all of Belgium, we have the opportunity to take a story from one ministry and tell it to another ministry to ignite something else. Um, and this last word here, it's sun antilambetamai, which um, is very long. It's a Greek word. It means alongside, together with, against. And it's the word that is described the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. He comes alongside us. He works together with us and he stands against the things that we don't understand, the things that inhibit us. And this is one of the DNA of our team, that to reach a people who feel overlooked, you can't come at them and tell them all the things they're doing wrong. You have to come alongside. You have to work together with them and stand against the things that are coming against them. So some of the things that um, we are activating <laughs> in Europe is forge training. This is something that will help your housewife, 
which there's not many of those in Belgium actually, <laughs> to your business person, to your church pastor, to help, as Sheridan says, get over the chicken line and be activated in their communities. And our hope is that we would set up this forge training and within a few years, Belgians would be leading it and OEM can step out of that process. So arts and mission, why arts? If people use, read my newsletters, I write a little bit, quite a lot about the arts and how we use that, but sometimes I have the question of like, why arts? Is it really that important? Like, or is it just kind of some fluffy thing? But we found that arts is an amazing thing in Europe because in Europe, people get stuck in their heads. And see, the arts have this amazing way of bypassing the head and going to the heart. And so we don't just use arts to attract people, um, but we use it to actually enter into their worlds, to understand how they think, to understand how Belgian culture is different from French culture, that's different from Flemish culture, that's different from German culture. It has a way of helping us integrate. It is a way of reflecting story. When our story intersects with God's story, something happens. And the arts are an amazing vehicle to tell stories. We gather people with it. We gather communities. Uh, we contextualise church with the arts. And we see cultural redemption through the arts. Steen is a songwriter. She is a prolific songwriter. However, most of her songs had never left her bedroom. Last year, Andrew and the team were asked to lead uh, a praise evening for the Flemish side of the country, so all churches coming together to praise together in an evening. And we asked Dean to come and be on that team. She plays piano. And we gave her an opportunity to share some of her music. And we gave the people there an opportunity to sing music brought in from their own heart. Something that we've learned, one of the keys, something God's been showing us is that our last eight years has been finding keys that will help unlock movements in Belgium. And one of the keys he has shown us is that the Belgian people are quite shame honour orientated, which means that they actually act a little bit more like people from Muslim countries or from the East. Um, when you're shamed, you either try to avoid or you'll make light of something. So this makes Bible studies very interesting because whenever someone feels challenged, someone cracks a joke. It's fun, but sometimes you don't go very deep. <laughs> something that we've been, well, yeah. What we would do in these situations, we'd recognise the person was feeling uncomfortable and we applied our own logic and we would try to reassure that they are innocent, that they are guilt-free. But it didn't really work because to counteract shame, you actually need to honour people. And I think this is really important, especially here in New Zealand where you have the Māori culture, which is more shame-honour orientated. So just leave that little piece with you. Um, one of the exhibitions that I set up was called The Colours of Belgium. In Song of Solomon, it says, with one glimpse of your eye, you have captured my heart. And I believe that's what God wants to say to us today, 
to people here that with one glimpse of your eye, you capture God's heart. And this is our message to Belgium. With one glimpse of their eye, as they turn towards him, they are kept, he is captivated by them. They are seen. When we set up this exhibition, we had a couple of ladies come past. And um, they were obviously a couple. One of the ladies said, I don't want to go anywhere near that, and walked in the other direction. The other lady said, oh, I'll give it a go. She walked in and I explained to her the colours of Belgium is to show the beauty of Belgium. And she said, there's nothing beauty, beautiful in Belgium. And I, and I took her through this exhibition and just asked her what she thought of it. And she slowly softened. And when we got to the end of the exhibition, there was another exhibition. And this one was called Contemplating the Incarnation. And this woman would never have walked straight into that. But her heart had been softened because she'd been honoured because we'd seen the things that were important to her. And then she walked through the, the second exhibition. She spent ages there and I got busy in another conversation. But as she left, she came up to me. She placed her hand on my, my arm and with tears in her eyes, she just said, thank you. You see, when we honour people, we can take, <laughs> we can take the cynic the hardest cynic, and we can see their heart softened because we show care and love and goodness. <laughs> Another thing that we are um, shaping in Belgium is multiplication. This is something that hasn't happened in Belgium before, but we don't want to just see it on a church big scale. We need to see it on a DNA level. Uh, the man in this video that I'm not going to show you <laughs> is Alan Hirsch. You can Google him. Um, <coughs> Google Alan Hirsch Organic Systems. It's a great um, video. Or come back to the next service and hear Andrew, who will play it for you. <laughs> um, we are shaping organic systems from what God has shown us, all the building blocks he's shown us, from working with and partnering with all these different people, what systems are needed to be put in place that will allow reproductive growth. By trade, I'm actually a molecular biologist. So I love this area. It gets me really excited because my whole biological brain goes in, in this whole area. Um, one of the important systems that we're putting into place is discipleship. I just want to finish with this story about Alan. So Alan the Irishman started a pub with an Englishman and a South African. <laughs> this is a true story and it's not a joke. <laughs> Their pub was one of the darkest places in Zarvington, where we live. It was the place that I kind of avoided if I stopped off at the train station late at night across the street. Ellen was addicted to heroin and the people in his pub who were also selling drugs, came alongside him because they love him and they cared about him and they said, you're going to kill yourself. You need to get off drugs. So he did. These were not Christians. These were drug users. <laughs> Alan was going through very bad cold turkey symptoms and he opened the paper and he saw an ad to a church. He said, God, if I wake up in the next three hours, because that's when the church service was going to start, 
<laughs> I'll go to that church. God woke him up. He went to the church, delivered him from all of his cold tur- turkey symptoms. And that day he gave his heart to Jesus. This was about 18 months ago. Alan has devoured a whole Bible. Like you look at his Bible, it's falling apart because he's just read every single thing. He's so passionate and so on fire. Many Christians have encouraged Alan to get out of the, the bad scene he's in. But Alan has become a pastor to his community. He is still the owner of the pub. He has a day job to actually pay off his debts. And now he just goes and hangs out with people at the pub and he talks to them. So we've been discipling Alan, helping him to grow in leadership, helping him to see that he is an answer to a community that no no straight-laced Christian is going to be able to walk into and reach those people. So I go back to an overlooked people. Who are the overlooked people in your communities? Who are the Allens that you think, oh, God would never reach them? What does he want to see in a community like the pub where there's an image of God's goodness, where his friends cared about him enough to tell him to get off drugs? What are the things that we can activate if we have the eyes to see And today, maybe there's some of you guys here who feel overlooked, misunderstood, like you don't quite fit in. (laughs) I want to say to you today that with one glimpse of your eye, you have captured God's heart. And I want to say that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know my Jesus, he wants to know you. Not from afar, not just captivated by you, but he wants to bring you into his home, into his heart. So, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. If you are here for one of the first time or you have been here a long time but you feel that you need to know Jesus more that you want to be known by him I'd ask you please raise your hand and take a step of faith I want to pray for you that Jesus would fill you with his presence that as you repent from your thinking that I can hold my life in my hand and you surrender to his goodness that he can transform change and give you his goodness If there's anyone who wants to take that step, please raise your hand now. Thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are with us. Lord, that before anyone knew us or understood us, 
you understand us. Lord, you see deep into our hearts. Lord, you want to activate your life in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your Holy Spirit that draws us to you, that comes alongside together with and stands against the things that stop us knowing you. And Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, now for this person who's raised their hand. Lord, may they pray with us that you would come into their heart, that they would surrender to you and to your goodness. And Lord Jesus, for those of us who feel challenged to see the world a little differently, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to enter your heart and see people as you see them, God. In Jesus' name. Why don't you give Karen a hand? That was great. Good to get a little understanding of what they're doing over there as they head back. And uh, um, they know that as a church, we're 100% behind them as they go back, championing them for this next season. And I'm, I'm personally very expectant that the next season for them over there is going to open up some great stuff. So... It's very, very good. Well, I want to do three things as we finish. I'm going to give you two lots of information. And then what I'd like us to do is to stand in the middle here. And I'm going to send Andy and Karen through the middle. And we're going to pray God's blessing on them as they go out. Sound good? Fantastic. First piece of information is after the service, uh, Alan Hall, who's sitting in the back corner. Wave, Alan, so everyone can see you. Fantastic. Is going to be down the back there somewhere and if you are interested in getting involved with Property Link which is a ministry that Alan is pulling together right now to serve and to bless the community um, and you've got some handy skills you might be able to help or you've got an interest the word property might have even just interested you uh, go and have a talk to Alan and he will be able to fill you in on possible opportunities and where that's going to go and we can get involved that's good is there anything else I need to say about that is that enough that's good. So go and see Alan if you're interested in that in any way. The second thing is, as you leave, you'll notice on the left of the door there and the left of the door there, there are giving stations. And um, can I ask you, please, particularly as family members, that you give. And uh, I, we can, and I will, teach into giving some more this year. But we, even though we're not passing bags around and the service and I'll tell you why we're not in just a moment we really really need you to give and we need to, you to be really purposeful in your giving and um, not not do it because a bag comes in front of you because we really need every cent to make things happen and if you're a guest today I'm not talking to you I'm talking to the family right now we know that to make a family work well we've all got to contribute and uh, so I ask you please to give. Why we're not receiving offerings and services any longer is that one of the top three fears that people who don't normally come to church have is that the church is going to ask them for their money. So we're not going to receive offerings 
in our services any longer. We've got giving stations. And as part of the family, we need to give. As part of the family, we need to be purposed. Not only purposed in the odd gift, but purposed in reoccurring giving. In other words, regular giving. And uh, bringing our tithes and our offerings as we're instructed to biblically. So can I encourage you to do that? And um, as I say, the stations are on on the left of each door. But even better still, set up APs and stuff, and then it's not a problem, is it? It's easy. Well, Father, I thank you that we've been able to gather today. I thank you that we've been able to lift you up. And I pray your blessing on your church as we go into our community, wherever, whenever, being like Jesus. Whether it's in Belgium or whether it's in Hamilton, we have the same job, the same call. And I ask that you would ask, uh, help each of us to be bold. You'd help each of us to be purposed, to live from that place of courage, to take the opportunities that come our way, that we can lift your name up and in the process, bring goodness to our city. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you come into the middle aisles and we're going to send Andy and Karen walking down there and I would love you just to pray your blessing on them as they go back. I'm not sure when you're coming back next. Neither are they. Neither are they. But you can always go and see them in Belgium. So it's not far away. You just jump on a plane and then you're there before you know. Fantastic. Well, how about we pray God's blessing on them, God's provision on them. The girls aren't in here, eh? We'll do this later when the girls are around too. Um, God's provision, God's health, that they see breakthrough in Belgium where God's placed them, that the right people will come in. The right. I love your word link. I think of them as middlemen. God brings them people, they train and shape them and they place them. And, um, and I like the word link, it's great. So... Where you go. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we lift the burdens to you. I thank you that they've responded to your call. Father, as they go, we send them with our blessing. We send them with our backing back to Belgium as your agents in that place. And I ask that you would provide everything they need to succeed in what you've called them to. Give them health in their family, I pray in Jesus' name. Particularly for Karen, I declare health in the name of Jesus. Thank you for them, Lord. Bless them as they go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Andy and Karen are going to be back tonight as well. Have a fantastic afternoon. Wherever, whenever, be like Jesus.